you with the upper hand in your fantasy football leagues? Then you've come to the right place. To the right place. You're listening to the Upper Hand Fantasy Podcast. Now, here's your host, Faraz Sadiqi and Zach Rizzuto. All right, everybody. Welcome back to the Upper Hand Fantasy Podcast. I am Faraz. We are here with Zach. Zach's back. Zach's back, guys. Yep. He, he, he's here. Oh, you probably heard him on the Brian Brothers uh, interview we did last week. All things Cowboys. Of course, Zach had to do that, right? Of course. Um, yes. But we have a very special guest in the house today. If you follow me on Upper Hand Fantasy on Instagram, you're probably very, very, very well aware of fantasy guides on Instagram. We got Steve Rippy with us in the house. Steve, what's up? Buddy, I am so glad you had me on. I was hoping to have one more appearance. I think we last talked right after the NFL draft, and right. it was fun, and I wanted to get one more in before the season started. So thank you for having me back. It, we're almost here. I'm pumped. For sure, man. Well, it was all Zach's idea. Zach's putting together, um, you know, a my guys uh, post on Instagram for all of us, you know, y- your team and our team and trying to do some more collabs. You know, we we um, we talk all the time and, you know, I want people to know like that, you know, we are, you know, in full support of each other. Like we 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 you know, we're not we're not enemies here. Okay. absolutely we, we uh <laughs> upper hand fantasy fantasy guides like we're do we're all in the same world there's all there's so much abundance for everybody you know and steve is such a um you know i'll say this about steve you know for people who don't know he's just a really good really good guy and he he creates really really good content so if you guys uh you know like upper hand content i think you guys will really vibe with what Steve has to offer and his team has to offer at up at, at fantasy guides. Um, Shopfantasyguides.com is your website, right, Steve? Yes. Is that right? Yep. Okay. Yep. And, Still, you know, eventually I'm going to get just fantasyguides.com, but uh, yeah, but for now it's shop. Shop, <laughs> shop fantasy guides.com. Yeah. Um, you, you are not obligated to buy anything, um, but there is, he does have a bunch of content and then he also has a bunch of really, really good resources for your draft if you haven't drafted yet. And he has really, really good resources for in-season stuff as well. So just make sure to go check out all that. Um, Steve also has a Fantasy Guides podcast as well. So yes, make sure sir. to check that check that out. Are you are you doing that weekly, Steve? Yeah, yeah. We've been doing it weekly all um, all off season for the most part. A couple of you know days here and there with vacation and stuff that we might have missed. But we're going to be putting more podcasts out in season talking about start sits trades so don't know the exact number yet of how many podcasts we'll be putting out each week but minimum like three or four and we'll have some college podcasts in there as well Ooh, i love it i love it the, yeah. the college stuff is is really good i, I enjoy that a lot from, from your podcast specifically um but but guys like this is all about my guys okay steve came on to bring us his my guys zach has his i have mine you probably can guess mine at this point you know, if you guys yeah. listen to the podcast, you guys can probably have a pretty good guess. Um, you know who my guys are. Wide receiver might be a little uh, interesting. You guys might not have guessed that one, but um, I try not to, you know, choose super obvious ones. But at the same time, like, you know, I'm kind of there are certain guys that I picked, and I'm just like, man, I'm just, I'm also hopeful, you know, for a couple of these guys too. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. But that's where we that's where we came uh, to this episode with, uh, you know, who are the guys that we're trusting and we're riding in to 2020 the 2023 season with um you know as guys who could potentially blow up this year right so yeah. uh without further ado steve 
can you kick it off with your quarterback? Yeah, and as I'm looking at my list, I realize I think I'm the uh, the oldest in the room here. And I just looked at my list, and maybe I'm just siding with some of the older players in the league, but my list is a little bit on the older side, so I don't know if that's good or bad. I know we all like rookies and we like young players, but but I got a couple of older guys. Um, so my quarterback that I went with is uh, Seattle Seahawks quarterback Geno Smith. And partly the reason I picked him as my guy is I just find myself, I don't know about you guys, I don't know what your strategy is, but I tend to like to try to get that late-round quarterback. I think it's kind of a challenge for me to see if I can pick those guys because I think I don't want to pass up on the running back and wide receiver value early in drafts. And on that that onesie position, I want to see if I can hit on a guy later. Um, so the thing's going for Geno Smith, uh, if you want a late-round QB option. Uh, highest completion percentage with quarterbacks with at least 100 targets last year. Get a 70% completion percentage. Uh, and it wasn't just dink and dunk. You know, It was really only the, the big three were the only quarterbacks that really had a higher yards per attempt than Geno. So he's not only completing a lot of passes, he's completing them all over the field. Um, he's got sneaky rushing ability. He was eighth in total rushing yards last year. So he's given you about two points per game for rushing, kind of like what Patrick Mahomes does. Um, Seattle was a top 10 offense last year. I don't see that changing, especially with their, their weapons that he's got. We know about DK Metcalf. We know about Tyler Lockett. Um, the addition of first rounder JSN, I think just makes it that much more dynamic and explosive of an offense. I love the addition of Zach Charbonnet, uh, not only just as a running back and for this rushing attack, but also him as a receiver out of the backfield. And then I don't think this tight end core is horrible. I think Noah Fant could still be a decent tight end. I could see him uh, performing well, maybe not as like your tight end, but as a tight end for Geno, I think he could do well. And Will Disley and Colby Parkinson, I think they're decent as well. A um, couple more points. Seattle has one of the easiest schedules this season. You know, According to Pro Football Focus, they have the easiest schedule coming up, um, and especially early in the year. Their early season schedule, now – I think Gino's the perfect target for if you want to draft and then trade after like the first month of the season. Here's the game. Here's the teams that uh, he starts out against Detroit, the Rams, the Panthers and the Giants. Now he played all of these teams last year. And in those games, he scored 32 points, 19, 24, 23 and 16 points. He was a QB one or and a high end QB one in all of those games. So there's just a lot lining up for Gino. Um, like I said, uh, I like to try to take that late round quarterback. And so, yeah, he's uh, he's a my guy. He's not only going late. He's going like really late. You know, 118. He's not, yeah. yeah, he's not going in. You know, you, you look at that Dak Prescott, um, Daniel Jones range, right? Tua, right? Those are the guys in Kirk that Cousins, range. And yeah. typically Kirk Cousins and, you know, even Aaron Rodgers a little bit right after that. But, like, Aaron Rodgers and Gino have kind of been in a similar tier later on. And Gino has been kind of the guy you can get later, right? And Oh, yeah. And then once once Gino's off the board, then you're looking at maybe um, – you're probably looking at Jared Goff at that point, right? So it's like yeah. Gino's somebody you can get really late. Um, and, you know, if you – you know, the fact that he his numbers – I don't think it was a fluke, man. Like last year, I, I think I think he was actually a good quarterback. Um, and remember, yeah. he was drafted high. The Jets ruined him, and now he's in a situation <laughs> where you know he he could he could do his thing. Uh, and you mentioned the JSN addition, man. I think that's huge. It's um, huge for for him, you know. And he already had really good weapons, and now he has another one. And he's already practicing. 
you know, despite yeah, him right. having that 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 surgery very recently. So I love it. I love it. Yeah, Zach, I just sorry. Yeah, I was ahead, just, last thing I was going to say, I just it, what I kept finding myself. I know you do a ton of mocks. I know you do a ton, a ton of best ball drafts. I keep doing this thing where I see like Trevor Lawrence, you know, pick 50 and I see Tua going, you know, where's he yeah. going like somewhere around 80 or something. And then I see Gino at 118 and I'm like, I just can't justify taking those guys so much earlier. Agreed, them, because so. they don't offer any sort of positional advantage, most likely, yeah. right? Like obviously, you know, is there a, a, a world where Trevor Lawrence takes this huge step forward? Yeah, I think so. And like he throws sure. like 40 touchdowns this year. Yeah, I think that's possible. Um, but at the end of the day, it's like, how much of a positional advantage is he really going to give you? Yes, he has a little bit of rushing, rushing upside, rushing, sneaky rushing upside as well. But you know the the guys that you're going to be passing up for taking Trevor Lawrence that early, you know, might as well. I'd rather just combine, you know, running back and wide receiver that you take at that spot, you know, with someone like Gino. I think that will give you a better advantage, you know, moving forward. For sure. Yeah, and I'm just going to hop on the train here real quick before I move on with Gino Smith. I actually put him in my third tier of rankings as one of the high upside targets in the same yeah. tier as my my guy at quarterback. I'll get to him in a minute. But Geno Smith, you look at the weapons that he had, what he did last season was just awesome. I think it was QB8 in points per game. Mm -hmm. And he had DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett, the add JSN. And I was going to comment, Steve, like you were one of the first people that I've actually talked to that were happy about Zach Charbonnet being added to the backfield. <laughs> Not necessarily for Geno's sake, but I just found that interesting because like when Zach Charbonnet went there, I was like, well, there goes Kenneth Walker. Like he's not gonna be able to do oh, much I, only it's, for it's this upsetting. Gino argument was I happy yeah. about it. I I, right. I cried a little bit when he actually got drafted there, but that's a different for <laughs> different reasons. Lot, yeah, I think a lot of people did too. But yeah, I mean you can't even rule him out either. Like you mentioned, if he gets work in the passing game, that's awesome. Like the quarterback's gonna benefit ten times out of ten from a running back doing his thing after the catch. Charbonnet can be that guy. So I like that pick. You know, you talk about the value that he has. I agree. Like the fact that he's going so late. It's the name value. He's still being dragged down because people think he's a flash in the pan, and that's yep. probably not and, the case. It's going to be hard for him to do that on this offense. To and be that's a flash in the pan. And that's the risk. You know, the risk is he's only done it once. And you know, if you want to throw another risk in there, the offensive line's not very good in Seattle, but they've never really had a good offensive line. So right, yeah, they've been able to get it done. But this year, though, this year they're going to have a good offensive line, guys. And that's another point, right? I think their offensive line is improving. Um, and I think at the end of the day, you're going to see like, oh, wait, this is this was a top 10 offensive line in the NFL. I think it's very possible. So another reason why I think I think you're on the money with this, dude. Zach, yeah. who, who you got at QB, man? All right, so I know that we were just talking about how Geno Smith is the value. You know, it's like you mentioned my guy when you're talking about comparative value. You said about Trevor Lawrence going real high. My guy is Tua. You know, I think he is going a little bit high, you know, when you compare him to Geno Smith, of course. But I think when you look at the upside that he has, I think he's going pretty low. I think he's a bit of a value here. I mean, you mentioned about the yards per attempt, Geno Smith, you know, having that high yards per attempt. You know who had the highest yards per attempt? That was Tua. He had mm -hmm. 8.87 yards per attempt. And he was the only QB to throw for 25-plus touchdowns last year on less than 16 starts. That was in 13 starts. And it makes sense because he has Tyreek Hill. He has Jalen Waddle. Like, those are two fantastic weapons that you're not just going to – they're not going to go away. They're going to be producing every week any quarterback that's enjoying those two weapons, just like Geno did with Metcalf and Lockett. Tua's going to be doing the same thing this year. I think he can really benefit from that. Um, they don't realize – people don't really realize the type of year that Tua had because of the timing of his injuries. You can just throw some numbers out there. 
you know, he threw for those 25 touchdowns I mentioned, but he's also also the QB. He finished as a QB one in fantasy points per game at 18.5 points per game. And that's including those game, games where he left early with those concussions. Now, I know he missed a lot of games with concussions, you know, those injuries. He was leaving early. But if you take out those two games where he left early and he stayed in when he shouldn't have, his numbers changed drastically. In week four, you remember he left the game early, played just 39% of snaps. He had 2.4 points per game, 2.4 points that game. So that's going to pull his numbers down drastically. And then also in week 16, if you remember that game against Green Bay, he came out red hot and then suddenly he just couldn't stop throwing picks. And then it came out later on that he was, might have been playing through a concussion there, you know. I'm going to give him a mulligan on that one. If he has a concussion, he's playing through it. I think it makes sense. You know, we see him throw three picks. That's going to affect the way he plays. He ended up having just 8.4 points that game. You take those two games out, a healthy Tua Tagovailoa jumps from the QB 10 overall in fantasy points per game to the QB 5, 18.5 points to 21.3 points per game. And that's top five quarterback play you're getting from him when he's healthy. He has Tyreek Hill. He has Jalen Waddell. Tyreek Hill is going to be chasing 2,000 yards this season. It's going to have to go through Tua. I got a bunch of stock in him, you know, right now in the eighth and ninth round of drafts. If you're not, you don't want to wait that long to take a, a Geno Smith, but you also don't want to fight on Trevor Lawrence at a higher ADP. I think Tua is really, really a good investment. The upside that he has is ridiculous. And people don't see it, just like I said, because if you look at the stats just as they are, it looks like he's like just this mid quarterback. You know, he's not going to be this high upside guy, but the offense he's in, the weapons he has, you can't deny it. And I think that he can have top five upside, like I just laid out. And to get him as a QB 10 off the board, which I think is where he's going right now, I think that's a pretty good value. I think I've been targeting him a lot. I think that other people, if they haven't, you know, might want to consider it. It's an interesting, you know, dynamic between not like the talent that a quarterback has and the weapons that they have and how much the, those weapons are going to prop up these quarterbacks. Right. right. Um, and I think in Tua's case, I think a lot of people would agree that, you know, these weapons are, are really what's propping him up. Right. But also he is, you know, playing with a mastermind of an off- offensive guy, right. And his head coach, right. Right. Um, he is somebody who will dial up the right plays for Tua. He has a lot of confidence in Tua. He's been very, very outspoken about uh, his love for Tua and what he in him believing in Tua. So I do think that, you know, I think about things like, all right, what if Tyreek gets hurt? What if Waddle gets hurt? Uh, one of one of those guys. Like, is Tua going to be putting up those numbers? At the end of the day, I I kind of think that there isn't going to be as drastic of a fallout uh, for Tua if that were to happen because of the fact that they have Mike McDaniel at the helm calling the right plays for him. Right. And they do have a couple of other weapons that they could plug in, um, you know, to help out. Right. They drafted, you know, a running back. They were going to get Jonathan Taylor potentially, um, you know, if the Colts weren't asking for Jalen Waddle back. Um, I saw that, you know, that was, I I missed that. I I didn't realize that that there was a report that, (laughs) Yeah, <laughs> the Colts were asking laugh. for picks and Jalen Waddle. Uh, oh man, and Jonathan Taylor. Um, yeah. So, anyway, um, it's such a funny situation. Uh, and by day. the way, guys, like you guys are probably wondering why we're not hitting on this yet. Uh, that's because we're we're just not going to in this episode. Uh, we're, we're I'm I'm recording another episode like literally right after this. That's going to be released as well as a separate episode. I'll go through all preseason stuff. I'll go over all that. So anyway. 
But going back to Tua, you know, I do think that, you know, Devon A. Chain is there. I think he'll eventually move up to near the top of the depth chart. He'll be involved in the receiving game as well. So he's a, another dynamic piece as well for Tua. So I personally haven't been targeting a whole lot of Tua. I don't know if you have, Steve. Um, but, you know, there is no doubt that, you know, at the end of the day, like the, for the people who do end up grabbing Tua, it's most likely he is going to be a top 12 fantasy quarterback at the end of the day. Well, and I'll say this too. I, I do like Tua. I like him similarly to Gino and Daniel Jones and some of these other guys. For me, it's just kind of more where he's going. Um, he is kind of, though, I will say, in the area he's going of the draft, there's not a ton of guys that I'm like, definitely want to draft over him. You know, like right ahead of him, there's Dak Prescott. I, I'd rather have Tua this season, I think, than Dak. Um, Jahan Dotson. Marquise Brown, some of these guys. Now, I do like some of the rookies like Jordan Addison and JSN that are going in his range, but that's just, we don't know if those guys will be there. So it is kind of like a, a little bit of a lull in the draft where I don't mind taking him just because um, it just kind of depends on who's there. But I do think he, I agree with everything Zach said as, as far as his upside. He was a completely different quarterback before the concussion started to have an effect on him. I mean, he put up one of the highest performance he's through six touchdown passes in a game you know yeah that's the kind of ceiling he can provide exactly all right i'm gonna hit my quarterback now guys and that's sam howell and now i i i get everyone's like oh my god for us like what are you talking about um now don't draft sam howell to be your qb1 okay like don't do that that's not smart i wouldn't do it but he's going He's probably like I think he's the twenty fifth quarterback off the board in, in most leagues, and this is really going to help out people who are in super flex leagues into quarterback leagues. I think if you really, really, really wanted to wait on quarterback for your QB two, I think you can get away with Sam Howell as your QB two or as your super flex starter this year, and not just him being your QB three now. In an ideal scenario, I wouldn't want to wait to do that. I would want to grab my QB2, uh, you know, well ahead of that, you know, get a top 15 quarterback as my QB2, and then grab Sam Howell later on as my QB3, right? In those situations, you can potentially have Sam Howell really, and I'll tell you why I like Sam Howell, but just from a strategy perspective, into quarterback leagues, in super flex leagues, quarterbacks are so, so valuable, right? If you grab that third quarterback and he ends up being a top 15 quarterback, you just got a you just have a huge advantage, right? Not only because you can potentially start that quarterback, but also because the trade value is tremendous, right? You can get Sam Howell, you could potentially either start him over your second quarterback if he's if he ends up being better than that player, or you can package Sam Howell, get another quarterback back potentially your QB three maybe is in an, an inferior quarterback to Sam Howell at some point in the season before your trade deadline and also get back a running back a wide receiver to help fill in you know your flex spot or upgrade somewhere right that's how I'm looking at it right because in in those kind of le- type of leagues I'm looking for those late quarterbacks who could potentially take a step forward now him and Kenny Pickett you know are going pretty similarly you know next to each other right it looks like Kenny Pickett is also in line to potentially take a big jump this year, right? No one's drafting him as their QB1, 
but we all understand that Kenny Pickett could take a step forward and could potentially be a top 12 quarterback this year. That That is not out of the realm of possibility. And I feel the same way about Sam Howell. I think more people like Kenny Pickett to potentially make that jump. But I think Sam Howell is right there uh, in that bucket. And for me, I look at what Howell did at North Carolina before he lost his weapons, right? What he was forced to do when he did lose his weapons, and that was run the ball. The dude had more than 800 rushing yards in his last season, right? He has that sneaky rushing ability, even if he doesn't have to run, right? That's number one. That's going to help. Number two, he has a talent, right? We, 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 we saw a glimpse of it at the end of last year when he got his start. Uh, he used his weapons, right? I, I, I've been very intrigued with this situation since Eric Bieniemy came over to help, you know, help him take that next step in his second year. Um, he was drafted way too low in the NFL draft. I think, he also has the weapons to elevate him when he, where he needs it, right? He has Terry McLaurin. Now, McLaurin has the turf toe injury, so that's not great, right? And I have a little bit more hesitation for Howell because of that. But apparently, McLaurin can be fine a few weeks into the season, according to some injury experts. So hoping that is the case, right? And he has Jahan Dotson, who seems to be blooming into a potential high-end wide receiver, you know? And you can't forget about Curtis Samuel, who's also a legit weapon out of the slot. Cole Turner... Their young tight end is flashing. He has Antonio Gibson on the backfield, and Bianami's system is going to help, right? Now, this is a long shot, obviously, for him to potentially be a QB1, right? Top 12 quarterback for fantasy this year. And, and I could have gone with someone like Lamar Jackson, who I absolutely love this year. If I'm picking a high-end quarterback as my guy this year, it's probably Lamar, right? Who you can draft as your QB4 or QB5, who, who has serious, you know, overall QB1 upside once again. Um, especially in the offense he's, he's going to play. But I wanted to go with someone who I think can make a big leap this year. And at the end of the year, he could potentially be a fringe QB1 fantasy option. I wouldn't be surprised. So you're speaking my language now because this is why people should be in multiple leagues. I think you need at least one league. I know you just said I wouldn't take him as my QB1. I think you need one like YOLO league, you know, where <laughs> yeah. you just – you don't even take one. And then you, with your last pick, you take Sam Howell. Um, I'm actually working on some content of like, who do I want to take with my last pick in my draft? You know, and Sam Howell is a guy I've been thinking about. You're, you're absolutely right with his rushing ability at North Carolina. And I can't speak as well to this, but Jesse, who does the, he's my college guy that does the podcast with me. I know he had mentioned how the offense changed that last year for Sam Howell. And they actually let him, you know, do more with his legs and, he had a much better rushing season than we ever saw the quarterback. I'm going to compare him to Daniel Jones. I don't see how he couldn't be last year's version of Daniel Jones, you know, rush for a little over, you know, between five and 700 rushing yards, yeah. uh, 3000 passing yards, 15 touchdown passes. I don't think those are like huge marks to reach. And Daniel Jones was a top 10 quarterback last year. So right. I agree. Daniel with Jones didn't have the weapons. You know, that that he has going in. He's just kind of yep. set up for success here. And I, I, I just think that he could take advantage of it. He has that. I feel like he has that type of pedigree, right? He has that ability. We've seen it in college. Yep. Uh, you know, if he just kind of, you know, we just saw too much of him. <laughs> you know, yeah. that's really what it was. And we saw a lot of him in, in non-ideal situations towards the end of his college career. Uh, but, you know, he would have been a first-round pick if he was allowed to come out earlier, right? Freshman oh, yeah. year, sophomore year. Like, yeah. he, he looked good, you know? So, um, yeah. So it's, it's an interesting situation. Um, you know, it, it's funny hearing Ron Rivera talk about, oh, like, I wish I started him earlier. Dude, <laughs> this is your job, okay? Yeah. Like, yeah, no shit. You know, it, it's like, 
you know, Ron Rivera is just a funny head coach to me at this Th- point. That's like, yeah. Ron Rivera seems like a coach that would be very likable, but he's frustrating for us that like to play fantasy football. I, yeah, I think as a human being, he's a very yeah. very likable person. But then yeah, yeah. from uh even a, not even just fantasy, dude, like just a- NFL. Uh, no, I agree. Football is just like, dude, like there's so many questionable decisions. And I, you know, I was talking to um uh JP Finley, who's a, who's a uh, beat reporter for Washington for NBC and he, you know, he kind of said the similar he had a similar sentiment in terms of like, you know, sometimes there are little like local storylines that doesn't need to be national. Right. And then Ron Rivera says it in this press conference, like brings it up and like like the media is like, oh, really? And they start writing stuff down and they, you know, it becomes a national story like, uh, you know, about Eric Bieniemy, you know, potentially rubbing players the wrong way and that sort of thing. That wasn't a story until until Ron Rivera mentioned it on the national spotlight, you know, and then, right. and then they, you know, reporters ran away with it. So anyway, yeah. I digress. Yeah. Well, the thing <laughs> that you also, sorry, go ahead. Jack. I was going to say you also consider remember last year when he said. Really, we're out of the playoff contention. Like during week seventeen, he's like, <laughs> and then people were going back, like, and then he comes back and he says, "Oh, well, I really wish I would have started Howell earlier." Like, what were you doing then? You know, maybe he didn't even realize they're out of contention. He's like, "Oh, I'll just put Howell in when everything's on the line." And he had, I forgot it was it was Heineke at that point, right? Yeah, that he probably. had in is just like he's a likable guy. I like him. You know, Riverboat Ron. He has a good story too. It's just. It's a lot of confusing things that he does. And I'm not concerned about that for Howell, but it is just funny to note because he, he's just an interesting head coach. I mean, Eric B is basically in line, I think, right, to be the yeah. head coach. It's just a step exactly, up. I kind of feel yeah. like that's why he went there. Uh, part of the reason why he went there, right, because he knows that he can be the successor there. Yeah, he just the, – the thing that worries me about Ron is he's a guy that the team will have four wins, you know, or five wins or something, and he'll be, like, putting Jacoby Brissett in. And it's like, we know what Jacoby Brissett is. We know he's not exactly. your future. Like, I just worry that will he give Sam Howell like 17 starts is, is, is the, the biggest risk that I, I see. I, 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 I can understand that. Okay. Steve, yeah. I want to hear who is your running back. Okay. Year. Sticking with the, uh, the, the veteran backs. This is a guy that um, I just feel like people are always down on every year. They, they get frustrated with them because of the expectations, but mine's Joe Mixon. Um, I get it. He's a little bit older. He was inefficient last year, but he's the 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 last guy left standing right now in that running back room. They got rid of Samaj P. Ryan um, right now. Uh, I think they're gonna they they were able to work out the contract. I think this is probably his last year in Cincy. The the Bengals have to figure out a way to pay Burrow, Higgins, and Jamar Chase. And so I don't know that he's going to be on the roster next year. I think they're going to try to use up every last drop of him. Um, he doesn't really have competition for touches. Trayvon Williams, Chris Evans, Chase Brown, they're fine, but I don't see them taking significant touches away from him. Um, and he's a, I'm not saying he's a dynamic receiving back, but he's kind of a receiver like Leonard Fournette was with Tom Brady. He's, I think he's going to get a lot of volume. He ranked fifth in receptions last year. He had 60 receptions, 75 targets. Um, we know the Bengals are going to score a lot. They were seventh in scoring last year. That's going to leave him a lot of goal line opportunities. And we know he can put up monster games. Um, now I have a lot of people that will argue with me that he was just one game. He, he had that 50 point, 55 point game last year. And that was pretty much it. Well, one, I would argue you don't want a guy that can put up 55 points at the running back <laughs> position. And then two, 
he was still pretty consistent. Only two games the entire year last year that was he was below 10 points. Yeah, he probably didn't put up as many 30-point games or high 20-point high games as you would have liked, but he wasn't killing your roster either, and he did provide some league-winning uh, weeks. So I, I just think he's going to get a ton of volume on a good offense. Uh, maybe the efficiency won't be quite as good, but you know we saw Najee Harris a few years ago catch 96 passes had low efficiency and was a, a top running back. So I think we could see something like that from Mixon this year. I like yeah. it. I like it. My only concern with Mixon is, you know, I was really hoping that Mixon would assume the third down goal, third down role here um, pretty easily with Samaje P. Ryan out. Um, and it's not a huge deal. It's not as big of a deal um, as some may make it out to make it out to be because Mixon's still going to get involved in the passing game on early downs, right? He's still going to be running a lot of routes on early downs, this is a pass-first team. You know, I remember coming into last year, we had that those signals of the Bengals being one of the most pass-heavy teams in the league, and they happened to do that. They also happened to run a lot more, a lot of plays. So he's going to get his targets on early down, so I'm not worried. Now, the other day, um, you know, uh, Zach Taylor was asked about uh, the running back position, and he said that Mixon is a, is a very, very good first and second down back that they'll feature in any way. And then the third down back is still a battle. And he talked about Travion Williams, right? He talked about um, Chris Evans, right? Um, I don't think Chase Brown's going to be there uh, playing that role. Uh, so it's interesting, man. Um, you know, it would kind of suck because, uh, you know, we've been wanting to see Mixon play this every down role. And especially considering the fact that he was one of the most prolific pass catching running backs in college football history, right? And, uh, and now it's like, you know, he didn't really have that role coming out but I, I do agree with you i think where he's going he's a value he's gonna have a ton of rb1 weeks he's on one of the best offenses in the league and if joe burrow takes a step forward this offense is going to go nuclear right and remember joe burrow hasn't hit his potential anywhere close to his potential yet right he hasn't had that for, for i don't even think he's had a 40 touchdown season if i'm not mistaken no i don't, I don't think, think he has so. no which is yeah, crazy so, to think about <laughs> right yeah this right. offense could 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 be even better. It's been great, but it could be better. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Now, I, because Samaje Pierre was so trusted in the receiving game and so trusted on third downs, I'm not necessarily convinced that like one of these guys is going to take that complete role. I think Joe Mixon could have a little bit added to his role, right? It's not like they're just subbing in Samaje for one of these other guys. I think Samaje was just that good at that specific niche job that you know, uh, you know, he got all of that work and a little bit more. I think Mixon might end up, as long as he stays healthy, getting a little bit more this year. Yep. Yeah, that's the only way I see it. Like you said about Samaj P. Ryan. I know the Broncos look like they were ready to trust Samaj P. Ryan in case Javante Williams wouldn't come back, you know, 100%. And yeah, I think yeah. that would be the case if Javante wasn't defying the odds right now. But, right? Um, but Joe Mixon, the way that he he's produced it wasn't a lot you know through efficiency in the passing game is through volume i think maybe a little efficiency could come back if he has higher quality targets he gets some of those snaps that samaj piran had i agree like samaj piran isn't it's not just a little hole like not a lot of people think not a lot of people realize how big a part of that backfield he was i think we're going to see that through like you said joe mixon getting some more touches in that way Last point on this backfield. Um, it's funny because, like, coming in, I wasn't high on Chase Brown, but then I thought about it and I looked into Joe Mixon's metrics last year. Terribly inefficient. Um, so I'm like, all right, wait, is this going to be a situation where Chase Brown, young back, comes in? He knows that he can handle a big workload. He's not terrible. He wasn't terribly inefficient in college. 
he was he wasn't bad, especially even even with a huge, tremendous, giant workload that he had, especially in his senior year. Um, but then preseason, Chris Evans is playing over Chase Brown the entire time, entire yeah. preseason. So that becomes way less of a worry, right? I I was more worried about Chase Brown potentially, you know, working into Joe Mixon's workload because of the fact that he wasn't efficient. But now with Chris Evans ahead of him, I'm not worried about that at all. So I'm kind of more, I'm kind of higher on Joe Mixon than I was, like, you know, I would say a month or two ago. Yeah, yeah. Right. I think there's, he's a decent back but it's, it's so much of the situation and I, I don't always chase the situation. I want the talent to be there, but I still think Mixon is a talent. He's not an elite yes. talent, but he's a good talent. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Exactly. All right. Zach, who's your running back, my guy. All right. So maybe it's just because I'm the resident Cowboys fan on the podcast, but I'm all Uh-oh. in on Tony Pollard. hundred percent. And this isn't something that people would just yell. They're not going to yell at me and say, well, Zach, you're a Cowboys fan. So of course we're going to take the Cowboys running back. No, there's a reason. And I know he's going pretty high, but I'd venture as far as say that he's kind of been underdrafted given his upside. Like, we know what he can be. I think it's higher than Saquon Barkley and Nick Chubb's upside. You talk about ceilings. I think Tony Pollard's higher than them. And he's coming off the board at the top of the second round. You know, he's been coming off the board at the top of the second round this whole offseason. And the reason why is well-documented. I mean, you look at the way he produced. Of the top eight fantasy running backs in points per game last year, only one of them, Pollard, finished with less than 50% of the inside the five carries last season. He saw just 28% of those, and he still scored nine touchdowns. Only two of them were on carries inside the five. And what's the like number one thing you talk about every time you bring up Tony Pollard and his upside? It's Zeke's gone. He was the only thing standing between Pollard and the goal line roll. So even if Pollard's number jumps up to just 50%, you know that's going to be double than what he had last season. And we could see Pollard being delivered easy touchdowns for the first time in his career. And he doesn't even have to rely on just them. You know, it's Pollard... He hasn't. He doesn't have to be touchdown dependent. He's one of the premier home run hitters in the league. He had 5.22 yards per carry. That was second in the league last year among running backs with 150 attempts. And he ranked first in runs of 10 and 20 yards. And he was third in runs of 30 yards. So it's like he was first in yards after contact per game too. Like these are all ridiculously efficient numbers. You know, Pollard's capable of getting it done whether it's going around you or through you. We saw that he passes the eye test. He's got that speed catches a pass and he's just gone in the blink of an eye he's more of an asset in the receiving game too you know despite low usage that came with his low snap share he was first in yards per reception last season and that's despite the fact that he only saw 52 percent of snaps he was the rb8 in points per game so if that snap number goes anywhere close to 70 percent, i mean i think he's got overall rb1 upside it's a good cowboys offense that he's on that's something that for us boldly predicted i remember we did a post like a week ago for us said that Tony Pollard could be the overall RB1. I don't really think it's that bold. You know, it just takes a couple cards falling the right way. It's not that crazy of a take. I love Tony Pollard. I think his price, you can get him. The fact that you can get him in the second round, you know, you could go grab a stud wide receiver in the first round or take Travis Kelsey and turn around and get Tony Pollard. I love that. Like, it gives you such great flexibility. You have that high upside at running back. And I don't think the floor is all that low either. It's not like we have to worry about him, you know, putting up dud weeks. So, Tony Pollard's my guy at running back, 100%. One of the most frequently asked questions in in so, in one way or another, right? Like not necessarily this exact question, but it's it's really around how high should I be reaching on Tony Pollard? And right. what does that mean? That means he's been undervalued this entire offseason. You mm-hmm. know, he there was a point in time where he was going at the 2-3 turn. 
I've there's a point of time where he was going to early third round in 12 team leagues. Now people are starting to realize. I think once Zeke signed elsewhere, that wasn't a concern for me personally. But now that no. he signed elsewhere, Pollard went up in a lot of people's ranks, and they trust him a lot more. And now he's going at the one-two turn, right? And an argument can be made that he should be taken above a lot of those wide receivers that are being taken at the one-two turn. A.J. Brown, C.D. Lamb, Garrett Wilson, right? There's a real decision yeah. to be made there, in my opinion. Um, you know, whether you want to start with that stud running back or if you want to go with one of these established wide receivers, right? So I'm curious to know, Steve, like, are you considering Pollard at the one-two turn? Definitely. And I think he he should be going there. The fact that he's not is the only reason I have advised some people to not take him in the first round. It depends on where you're picking in the first round. So I just did, uh, unfortunately, I was, I was bummed you guys weren't able to make the expo this year. Um, but I did that, you know how they do the draft day for Oz. Yep. I did that this year. And so it's, it's, I mean, it's kind of an industry draft. You've got people that are, that have fantasy accounts, they have podcasts. You're doing drafts with these guys. I had the second pick and I did not think in any way, shape or form, Tony Pollard would make it back to me at pick 23. And there he was sitting at pick 23. Wait, so, wait, that was a two quarterback league, right? No, no. This really? Is a single quarterback league. <laughs> insane single quarterback league uh where you only start two wide receivers Um, so who'd you end up picking at two uh did you pick did you pick chase or cmc i went chase i went chase Chase. too so i went chase at what a start oh it was awesome and then then i got uh i got tony pollard at 23 and then when it came back to me i got derrick henry so i really liked this the start of my draft so I've been advising people that have an earlier pick. Well, obviously, I don't want it. I, I don't think you should take him maybe top five. I, I don't think he can't finish there, but I, I just think that there's a chance you could get him coming back. But if you've got a later first, absolutely. And I'd probably take him ahead of some of those guys you just mentioned, the A.J. Browns, you know, C.D. Lamb, mm-hmm. some of those players, because I like his upside more. And I feel like a lot of those guys, I don't know about you, I have a hard time deciding if I want to take Stephon Diggs, right? C.D. Lamb. That's Devontae. the hard part. Yeah. I, I don't know which one of those guys I want. I know I want Tony Pollard. So absolutely, if you've got a late first, take Tony Pollard and then whichever, let the other people decide for you on which wide receiver they're going to draft and then you take the Agreed. next best one. Because when you have A.J. Yeah. Brown, when, you, when, you, when you're on the clock, right, at like pick 12 or pick mm-hmm. 13, and you have guys like A.J. Brown, C.D. Lamb, Garrett Wilson, Amon Ra, all on the board – like yeah what do you do like, i don't know. You know i like all those guys it's, it's overwhelming right, exactly. <laughs> yeah. it is overwhelming it's hard to make a decision and i kind of find myself just diversifying you know because i'm in so many leagues so that if i know that i took aj brown in my last league i'm probably gonna take garrett this th- th- you know this week because i do have garrett wilson ranked pretty high yeah um so it, it, yeah. it is it is interesting let me okay. let me for us can i yeah, add probably. one more thing to Please. kind of back that up Please. so I had found this stat earlier this offseason, but not in, not counting that week 18 game, which I don't want to necessarily not count it, that game against Washington. Zach, you might remember it. It was kind of a weird oh, game with Dallas. Clearly. Yeah. 100%. Like it was just an <laughs> odd game. You know, I they didn't know if they were gonna be in the playoffs. I don't know. It was a it was a weird thing. But it was everybody they might get the one seed, something like that. It was yeah, it was a weird thing. The, the the whole team played horrible against Washington. But if you don't count that game, so I am for this argument. Over his last eight games, Tony Pollard averaged 22 points per game. And over that same span, Zeke had eight rushing touchdowns. So yeah. just to your point, like <laughs> he averaged 22 points a game 
and Zeke still scored eight touchdowns during that span. So, I mean, he could have averaged like 30 points per game or something yeah. if, without Zeke there. So I just the, wanted to add that part. The thing about Zeke is Jerry Jones was so intent on just getting him the ball because he was hammering a point home. We were right about Zeke. He's not washed, yeah. that kind of thing. Now it's just like the – you know, the writing was on the wall for Zeke. We knew after this season that he wasn't going to be on the team, especially with the way Tony Pollard was playing. But the cap hit was just going to be too high. But that's what we're talking about. You know, that inside the five, Zeke was delivered constantly to touchdowns. And that's what carried his production the entire time. That's going away. Tony Pollard's going to assume at least part of that role. That would have put him, I, I'd argue Tony Pollard, he, he had nine rushing touchdowns last year. If he has just a little bit bigger of a role, he could be going for 14 touchdowns this season on the ground. And that's just ridiculous. Austin Eckler did it to Melvin Gordon. Tony Pollard did it to Zeke. Who's the next guy? No, don't just. Is I it, hope it's not Mixon. Is, <laughs> is, it, is it? Is it Najee Harris? Oh, I know where you're going. <laughs> is that the situation? Do we have to be drafting Jalen Warren as the next Tony Pollard? I don't know. I just posed the question. Know. Moving on to my guy. Oh, there. I thought that was going to be your guy. I was waiting. No, no, no. Okay. It wasn't. He does uh, like Warren. But, but I, I, do, say I do like Warren. <laughs> mm-hmm. I do like Warren. But my guy has to be J.K. Dobbins, right? It has to be. Like, I, I, there's yeah. no way I can go this entire offseason just talking about J.K. Dobbins in every single podcast and him not being my guy. That would be kind of weird, right? And, I, I, you know, my second guy would probably be Tony Pollard, right, Zach? So I'm, I'm all I'm, – I think I've probably – in every one of my mocks or any one, every one of my like ideal drafts that I put out, no matter where I was picking, I ended up with Tony Pollard on my team <laughs> because I was yeah. just either reaching or whatever. Like, I don't care. But J.K. Dobbins, you know, and I'm, I'm sure people are tired of hearing me talk about him, but all signs have been pointing to him being the guy in this backfield. Okay, their new OC has talked about it. He's being involved more in the receiving game. This is a going to be a, a an offense that puts more emphasis on the pass game so why does that help why does that help jk dobbins but it's like if they're gonna put an emphasis on getting jk dobbins the ball in in the receiving game that means lamar is gonna throw it to him it doesn't mean that he's just not going to he's just gonna rush to run the ball all the time and tuck it and run but if jk dobbins is running legit routes and he's schemed into the passing game like their OC said multiple times that he wants to do that with particularly with J.K. Dobbins then I'm buying it and people forget that Dobbins had 71 catches in three years at Ohio State so this is something new for him okay and and then you have Gus Edwards who's falling out of favor in this offense like my conversation with Jason Lockenfora last week helped bring more light to that situation and it seems like there is a considerable gap between Dobbins and the rest of this backfield. And while we're so used to a split in this backfield, we have a new OC now with a healthy J.K. Dobbins. And Lacanfora also helped me understand that he really thinks that this was the holdout. It was really all about J.K. just not wanting to get hurt in camp and preseason again. Like, that's what it was about. It wasn't so much about the money. It was about him not getting hurt again in the preseason. It happened twice to him right not just the main injury but he had other injuries that happened too in the preseason so he's back he's good to go for week one he's all the way back he's 100 percent. so i see an ascending offense i see a better offense i see dobbins with 250 carries this year 50 catches i see him with the primary goal line role i think he's going to be this year's josh jacobs i'm calling it now 
I like that comparison a lot. You know, and we've talked so much about J.K. Dobbins, but you just mentioned that. Yeah. Well, maybe not that much. Maybe we just got to rehash it one more time. Can you go through that one more time? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I just need to hear it again. You know what I'm saying? But no, like J.K. Dobbins, you look at it, you're right. I don't think that there's really going to be any real competition like there's been over the past couple of years because J.K. Dobbins has been injured. The workload that he's stepping into, like you said, if they diversify, they give him even just like a small you know, receiving role. It doesn't have to be a whole lot it's going to be a huge season for him. And the way that he's being drafted isn't even close to the upside that he has. In fact, like I'd say that there's no really, there's really no way you can go wrong. If you've taken him, obviously drafts are wrapping up right about now, but if you haven't drafted yet, like heavily consider JK Dobbins at his price. Like it's such an easy pick where he's coming off the board and like the fifth round, sixth round, like if he's still there, like just go get him. That's a guy that you the, can flip. The price is so good. And yeah. he's just like, it, it, and the talent level is there. He is an explosive running back, right? We saw it multiple times. Even last year, coming off a brutal injury, he's like literally like on a peg leg, like <laughs> running through the offensive line and you know creating big plays. Like he had one of the highest breakaway rates last year coming off that injury, and you saw him limping while he was running. No, okay, he was guys. running with he, he was, that's called running with swag. <laughs> that's what it was. Oh, I'm sorry. It was actually yeah, yeah. Right. it wasn't even just him. Mm-hmm. I, I agree, man. Like, you know, it's one of those things where I'm I look at his price, I look at his ability, I look at this new offense, and I, I just it's just really, really hard for me to pass up on the upside. A lot of people tell me like he stays, he's he's always hurt. Guys, it was one injury. Yeah, like yeah. it was one injury that took two years to recover. That's yeah. that's literally what it was, right? He sat out all of 2020, 2020. And then 2021 came around and he wasn't right for that because it was a multi-ligament injury and he came back and he needed another scope and, but it was all related to that one injury. So it's not yeah. like he just keeps getting banged up. He, he's back. He went through an off season where all he had to worry about was getting right for football, not necessarily and getting right, getting optimized, right? Not necessarily doing rehab, right? That was right. last season, last off season. Now he's getting right for football and you know, optimizing for what he could do this year. And I, we, we all know he wants to get paid. So he has yeah. incentive. I'm I, done I, with the injury argument because like I'd much rather say I took a swing on a player and he got injured than I'm then avoid him because he's injury prone and then have him pop off. Like that's just the dumbest right. argument ever. We saw that happen with Christian McCaffrey. Like, just don't buy into that. He's doing what he needs to do. Check I think the only exception uh, to that rule is Kadarius Tony. Oh God! Yeah, you. We do point, have yeah. to. We should have another podcast talking about those guys. But <laughs> it's, it's it's interesting. You said this year's Josh Jacobs. I guess I hadn't I hadn't thought about that, but that one kind of makes sense. You know, if he can just, we know he's a good rusher, and you had mentioned some of his his receiving work in college. If he, I do think he is a good receiver as well. It's just the system hasn't really uh, favored him as far as a receiving back goes. So. You know what I was thinking? His floor, if you think his ceiling's Josh Jacobs, I think his floor is Miles Sanders. And that's not terrible, you know? No, if not he, at all. If, if he, and and he, would, he would outproduce his ADP if he was Miles Sanders. Yeah, sure. and I mean, and I'm saying last year's Miles Sanders, you know, a running back right. who didn't score a lot of touchdowns but was efficient. J.K. Dobbins, career average, 5.9 yards per carry. And like you said, with his either his limp or his swag run, 5.7 yards per carry last year. You know, and he's going in a spot. He's the his ADP is 60th. So he's going in a spot where it's like, do you take Kyle Pitts? Do you take Cam Akers, Alexander Madison, Rashad White, Dalvin Cook? There's a lot of guys that have just as much questions. 
I would argue he's got the highest upside out of all those guys. Like I would much rather draft him than an Alexander Madison, who I don't think Madison is a, is, is a that talented of a back. I think he's propped up by situation. I think JK, JK Dobbins is a very good running back. Um, and if this offense does what we hope it will, and I think we think it will, um, I think you have a special season. Yeah. I love he's, a ceiling, I love he's a ceiling player among floor players where he's going to draft. And I think I, yeah. that 100% makes sense. Now, Damian Pierce is closing the gap for me a little bit because he's going a little bit earlier than Dobbins, but around the same range. So it is it is an interesting choice between those two guys. Who who would you grab between those two guys, Zach? Between Pierce and Pierce Dobbins. Pierce and J.K. Dobbins. I'm still going with Dobbins because I think the ceiling is just as good as Pierce would have if J.K. Dobbins Steve? was all together, even better. Well, in a vacuum, um, I like I, – I might go – I might go Dobbins a little more. I do think the upside's probably higher. Um, That's really what it vo- comes down to. I think the volume will be higher for Pierce, but for me, he's definitely the better value. He's going a full round after Damian Pierce right now. So there you go. Right. I would. I'd much rather have him. Let's uh, speed up a little bit. Try okay. to get through these wide receivers <laughs> and tight ends. All right, Steve, who's your wide receiver? Okay, this is a guy I I didn't know if I was going to be all out on the Tampa Bay wide receiver core or not. But then when I started seeing like in best ball drafts early this offseason, I was seeing like Chris Godwin and Mike Evans going like in the 30s, like the wide receiver 30s. And I don't even know if at that time I knew who the quarterback was going to be. But I was just like, it's Mike Evans. It's Chris Godwin. How, how are they going this low? But I know we've barely seen anything. And I don't trust Baker Mayfield and I don't trust preseason snaps. But Baker in the preseason in, in his preseason starts has actually looked pretty good. He uh, and he's done that without Mike Evans and barely any Chris Godwin. He, he's been 14 out of 15 this preseason with a 93% completion percentage and 135 quarterback rating. Don't draft Baker Mayfield. This isn't about Baker. It's about Chris Godwin. Uh, Chris Godwin in limited action in the preseason with Baker. He ran just five routes on those five routes, four targets, four receptions, 30 yards and a touchdown. I just think we're going to see a ton of volume go towards Chris Godwin. This is not going to be a good team. I think there's a good chance Chris Godwin catches 100 balls this year. Now, it might only be like 100 for like 900 yards receiving. I, like, I don't yeah. know if he's going to be able to get a ton of yards after the catch in this offense. But Is I he going want... to be the uh, Deontay Johnson of 2023? You, are you looking at my my bullet points here? I'll, I'll, I'm sorry. You... <laughs> no, that's, that's literally what I was going to say. I was like, he'll probably be this year's Deontay Johnson, but there's no way he gets zero touchdowns. Like what Deontay Johnson did last year, you can't, it just doesn't get repeated. Like, I don't even think there's an example of that ever happening. Um, I think one time Keyshawn Johnson way back in the day, caught like 99 passes and scored no touchdowns or he might've scored mm-hmm. like one. Um, but no, I think he'll be probably a version like Deontay Johnson was last year. Um, close to a thousand yards, you know, a hundred catches, um, but I still think he'll get more touchdowns than Deontay got. So I think he's going to be Baker Mayfield's safety blanket. Um, I, I get the downside. We've seen what Baker did to OBJ and DJ Moore. Um, but I'm I'm just hopeful that that won't happen to Chris Godwin. And where he's going in drafts, he's just one of those guys I trust. And he's going so late that that he's a guy that I'm in on is like your third wide receiver, you know, or possibly a flex. There's a uh, wide receiver dead zone. And I think, you know, because you have Michael Pittman, so so I'm looking at I'm looking at where Chris Godwin is going. Okay. 
You after Deontay Johnson and Tyler Lockett's off the board, you have Christian Kirk, Chris Godwin, Brandon Ayuk, Michael Pittman, Mike Evans, George Pickens. Um, you know, those guys, like you're looking at all those guys, you're like, well, like Chris Godwin kind of stands out, you know, from a talent perspective, right? And in those situations, like you kind of just want to go with the talent, especially because, you know, if you need a wide receiver, just go with the guy who is talented because they could exceed expectations or they have a good chance of exp- exceeding expectations, especially when everyone is so, so low on that offense. And I, and I agree. I like what I saw out of Baker. Um, yeah, right. You know, I think he could, he could, they could be just fine in terms of at least getting his receivers the ball. And, and, you know, his ADP is, you know, 67 wide receiver 26, but I think depending on your league, I think he goes later than that. Yeah. In a lot of leagues. I think a lot of, especially home leagues, they just think Baker Mayfield and they think, I'm not touching him. And he just, and he, I think he'll fall in a lot of drafts. One of the most unsexy picks you can make. Mm, exactly. Yeah. Yep. That's a say. good way to put it. And, and, you might, and when, you might... you're in a home, when you're in a home league, like you like sexy because you want to show off your friends. Right? <laughs> you want, like, you want a reaction. Squad. Yeah. You want a reaction. You, squad, you... you know? Yeah, yeah for sure. <laughs> yeah. And you might wonder like, why not Mike Evans? Like you look at the way that Chris Godwin has produced over his career. It's just the volume and the target, you know, demanding that he does every single season. So it's like, why not Mike Evans? I think Mike Evans is not going to reach a thousand yards this season. I don't think he's going to really sniff it. I think I'm looking at like 800 yards, 900 ish as his ceiling. But Chris Godwin, yeah, 100%. You talk about the volume that he has. I'm not in on the Buccaneers offense at all, like you said, but still, like you That's can't deny take. the value that he has. <laughs> it's a bold take, Zach. Yeah. I, I was. It I was. I was wondering though, like, is, is this going to be a a poor man's version of the Seahawks last year, right, where everybody was just down the offense, and then I all of a sudden you're like, it, oh, I think it could be. I, it won't reach that level, but I think it's. I don't think so either. Going to surprise a little bit. I think so. Right. Zach, who's your wide right. receiver? And don't tell me Mike Evans. No, I'm going to keep it snappy here. With I'm going to stay in the same division, and I, I'm going to go with Chris Olave. You know, he smashes just those benchmarks that you use to project success among second-year wide receivers. His ADOT was the third highest in the NFL among wide receivers with 75 or more targets last year. And his air yard share, 37.8%. Target share, 24.3%. Just dominant numbers, indicative of a ridiculously high ceiling in 2023. And let's just not forget to mention that his yards per route run led all, all rookies by a long shot. That was 2.49. I saw 2.42 some other different places, but it, it's high. It's very high. Let's just put it that way. That was with Andy Dalton and James Winston at quarterback. I'm going to continue to push the Derek Carr mid-agenda, just as I have this whole time. But I didn't start calling him sidecar for nothing. He's a really good quarterback to support a top-tier wide receiver. He did it with Devontae Adams last season in Las Vegas. Here's another nugget. Alex Caruso on Twitter, or X, or whatever you want to call it. I don't know if you guys saw this one. But seven wide receivers have registered over 2.25 yards per route run in their rookie year. Alave was one of them. And all the other receivers who already played their second season, the other receiver in last year's draft class who did that was Christian Watson. All of them finished as top seven in PPR points per game in their second year in the NFL. That was Odell, Tyreek Hill, A.J. Brown, Jamar Chase, and Justin Jefferson. That's some really good company to be in. And he has no high-quality competition in the receiving game to fight against. I don't care what anybody says about Michael Thomas. At this point, I've seen enough. He's not going to come back and suddenly look like it was – what year is that, 2019, Michael Thomas? I can't even remember. You know, it's been that long. He was targeted, Chris Olave, 112 times in his rookie year. That's the bottom line for what we should expect in 2023. You saw the way Derek Carr peppered Devontae Adams. He had 169 targets last year. I'm expecting very, not necessarily 169 targets, but we're going to see a huge uptick in targets for Chris Olave. 
Derek Carr is going to do his thing and just get the ball to the guy that should be getting it, and that's Chris Olave. He he's like one of the most, you know, when you look at the numbers, when you look at the ability, he's one of the most obvious breakout candidates who could potentially, you know, just way exceed expectations right him garrett wilson right and garrett wilson you know he's more obvious because of the fact that he has aaron Rodgers. but i think yeah. people are still kind of sleeping on chris olave and, and his high-end ability to finish as a wide receiver one this year yeah and i what were you calling him sidecar is that yes, the, Derek Sidecar. That's what I, he does. He's the sidecar. <laughs> I feel like I've been a closet Derek Carr fan like oh, for a, a while. Oh, and, and, and I mean it as far as like, <laughs> I think he's a good leader. This is not fantasy take. This is just, I think he's a, a quarterback players want to play for. And I don't know about you. This is, again, there's no data behind what I'm about to say. He just looks pissed and he looks like he's been hit in the weight room and he looked good in the preseason. I feel yeah. like this offense, I, I didn't know how to feel about this offense uh, this offseason, but it was nice to see in the preseason, like everybody looked good. Carr looked good, spreading the ball around uh, another, you know, Jawan Johnson, Chris Olav, all these, even Michael Thomas was catching some passes. Kamara looked refreshed. I think this offense, I'm buying into this offense as a whole. And I think Chris Olave is an elite, you know, talent that's ascending and again, you, you just listed all those stats with Andy Dalton and um, uh, James Winston. Say what you want about Carr. I think he's better than those two quarterbacks. So uh, oh, I yeah. agree with everything you had to say. Huge, huge upgrade. I, I don't yeah. even think it's a, a little bit. I think it's huge. Um, yeah, so it, I, it I, I do love it. Um, I, I want to move into my wide receiver, my guy. And, you know, I love Chris Olave. Um, you know, we mentioned a guy, Deontay Johnson, also at his price. Uh, I'm really liking him, especially from what I've seen out of Kenny Pickett so far this offseason. But Jordan Addison is my wide receiver, my guy. And I really like Addison coming out. I'm finding him on a lot of my teams lately. Like, I'm realizing after doing a bunch of drafts that Addison's my guy. Like, that's how I figured it out because I'm continually taking him everywhere. And I'm just excited about his role on a team that passed the ball at the third highest rate last year. This year, they're probably going to be number one or number two with the Chargers, right? Tampa was number one last year. That's not happening this year without Tom Brady. Uh, the Vikings were also one of the fastest teams in the NFL, so you get more plays. You get more routes run. They pass in every situation. Okay, they were top five when trailing. They were top five in neutral game scripts, and they even pass at the second highest rate when leading. Okay, so you don't have to worry about game script here for these pass catchers. Adam Thielen, he ran the second most routes of any wide receiver last year, right? Only second to teammate Justin Jefferson. And Jordan's Addison, Jordan Addison's now getting that role. He's an upgrade to what Thielen was at this point of his career. So he can do more with that role. So I really like Addison to be pretty much a lock as a top 36 wide receiver. Um, I do think he has top 24 upside, even as a rookie, uh, you know, sharing the field with Justin Jefferson. And it's worth noting here that with all the attention on Jefferson, Addison is going to get a lot of single coverage. He's going to be open a lot. Okay, let's remember the type of prospect he was too, right? He broke out at 18. He was a first-round wide receiver. Those two factors combined gives him an extremely high chance of being a very good wide receiver in the, in the NFL and potentially even having wide receiver one finishes at some point in his career. So the numbers are on his side. Uh, the tape is on his side. 
he he has a great landing spot opposite Justin Jefferson, and I love his price where he's going right now. So I am finding him on a lot of my teams this year. Hey, I got a question for you for us with with Addison because I I really like Addison as well. Um, so a friend of mine was doing a draft yesterday, and we were texting back and forth. I was helping him with his draft. He took Justin Jefferson first overall, or second overall actually in this league, and. It was like, I don't know, round eight or something like that. And Jordan Addison's sitting there. And (laughs) like the options were Marquise Brown, Antonio Gibson, um, Samaj P. Ryan, Cortland Sutton, you know, some of those players. And I was like, I don't usually like to just grab two wide receivers for the same team, but I told him to do it. I was like, (laughs) at at the very least, because I like him so much, you know? And I was like, at the very least, he's going to be tradable at some point this season. I think, you know, you'll have For a choice. Sure. So I don't know. I, would you have done that? Would you have gone somewhere else with that? But no, I, I would have done that too, because especially given the names that you just listed, it was just gross. And yeah. Yeah. you know, he just has the most <laughs> upside and it's a value play at that point too. Right. Yeah. Like if you know that you can trade in your league and people are willing to trade in your league, I think a lot of the times, like I'd rather just like buy as much value as possible in drafts yeah. later on, especially, um and you know hope for the best you know and he's startable with justin jefferson it's not like you know you you have to leave him on your bench when you whenever you start justin yeah. jefferson you're gonna start him every week um and jordan addison is he's like i said he's potentially in line to run you know top five number of routes raw number of routes you know in the league this year as long as he stays healthy so yeah it's it's a situation where you know especially around that range so like the guys who are going around that range i'm looking at right now you know, if I did grab Je- Je- um, Justin Jefferson and like Pat Fryermuth is there, I might go with him. Yeah. I might go with uh, you know Khalil Herbert, kind of like him a little bit. Jahan Dotson, but now with the injury to um, to uh, Terry McLaurin, you know it's possible that Jahan Dotson ends up not being there at all. Uh, Elijah Moore, Zay Flowers, those are guys you consider. I think if you drafted yeah. Justin Jefferson, yeah. um, if those guys are on the board. But yeah. overall, I think he's a great pick at that spot. Now, the, the problem with this was I was getting just screenshots showing about eight, 10 players at a time, you know? <laughs> yeah, so yeah. I don't know, right. like, if there were still some other players that I could have recommended. And well, it, you like, know what? I mean, it was a one-minute clock. Reach. <laughs> yeah, and you also don't want to reach like crazy because you never yeah. know. Like, with your next pick, you could potentially get the, the guy you would have said, right, yep. to reach to yeah. reach for. So oh, for know. sure, for sure. Yep. Let's move on. I think we're up. Are we up to tight end now? Or, or yep, yeah, we, we, we are. Yep. We're now to tight end. Okay. <laughs> Steve, the most ahead. fun position in fantasy football ever. This will be the quickest segment. Um, <laughs> okay. So this guy, I have to admit, has, this guy's been a my guy since 2015. I, <laughs> in a dynasty draft, drafted this guy because Gil Brandt said he was the steal of the draft in the sixth round. I'm talking oh. about Darren Waller, the New York Giants tight end. When I drafted him in Dynasty, he was a wide receiver for the Baltimore Ravens. <laughs> and <laughs> I held on to this guy for like four years on my Dynasty roster, just like with all the problems that he was going through. And then I finally released him. And then somebody else picked him up and he turned into what was Darren Waller for two elite tight end seasons. Um, the thing with Waller is he's only been healthy for two seasons in his seven-year career. So that's the biggest knock on him. But since he's become like this elite tight end, he's been awesome. Um, What I like about him is not only is he probably the most athletic tight end in the league, you know, maybe Kyle Pitts, you could make the argument there, but um, the Giants went after him. They wanted to get him. 
uh, his head coach, Brian Dabble, he doesn't have a great history with as an offensive coordinator with tight ends, but he never really had any as an OC. Like he has one tight end one season with Benjamin Watson back in like 2009 when he was with Cleveland, but he was the tight end coach in New England for like prime Gronk years. So I think he knew what a weapon Gronk was in that offense. I think that's what he's trying to do with Darren Waller. Maybe not the same used exactly the same way as Gronk, but basically just a weapon. Um, he's going to be the number one target for the Giants this year. I'm not worried about any of the wide receivers. I don't even – they're all the same guy. It's, it's just a bunch of wide receiver two, threes, and fours on that team. Um, there's no alpha wide receiver that's going to demand more targets than Waller, in my opinion. Um, he's already shown a ton of chemistry with Daniel Jones in camp um, and in limited preseason action. He was Daniel Jones' first two passes in preseason this year went to Darren Waller. You know, you know they went in the slot. He was playing outside against corners. They're going to move him all over the field. Um, so, yeah, I'm all in on on uh, Darren Waller. I think he's not going to outscore Kelsey. I, I'm not going to go that far. But I think he could finish as the tight end, too, this year. And he's going after all the big-name tight ends right now. I think he's going in a perfect spot. He's gone up a little bit in ADP um, over the last month. I think he's gone up about 10 spots. But he's going at pick 50, 51, actually, right now. He's in that range with, like, Terry McLaurin. DeAndre Hopkins, uh, Miles Sanders, you know, he's going in that range. Every draft, I have not taken a tight end ahead of him because I try to get him in every draft. I've been trying yeah. to get him in that like fifth or sixth round. And so, yeah, he's, uh, I'm expecting big things from him this year. No, I love that. I, I think he's somebody that I'm targeting as well. Um, and I'll talk about my, um, my guy in a minute after Zach. But, you know, if I don't, you know, if I don't grab, um, Darren Waller, I'm grabbing my guy, right? That's kind of yeah. how I've been looking Just at it. But he's go been into somebody it, that, ben. you know, you can go first. That's fine. No, I don't want to. I don't want to. <laughs> don't force me into it, Zach. I'm gonna wait. I'm gonna. I'm, gonna, I'm trying to build suspense here. You know what I'm saying? Okay. Like, just, All right. Everyone knows so, who my guy is. Let's be honest. Um, yeah. But I do want to say one more thing about about Waller. You know, it's interesting because like rare like what you want to hear from camp you want to hear all these good good things from camp right and you hear these things coming in you're like okay like i hear really good things but let's see if it translates to the field and then in preseason he gets tar targeted on 40 percent of his routes run right with the 80 percent route participation so it's like you know that he's gonna get his right like mm -hmm. it's just confirmation it's like you hear all the stuff from all the beat reporters and then you see it in the game like in and, and then you're like, get, you get confirmation, and then you're like, all right, cool. And then he stayed healthy for the entirety of training camp, which is what you want. And yeah. preseason. Yeah. So you want, you, you love, you love to see it, man. Huh? Not, not going to wood for Darren Waller here. I'm happy. Plus, right. plus the Giants traded for him. Remember, this wasn't like a signing, they traded for him. So, yeah. like, that also tells you that they want to use him in the offense. Plus, I go back to this stat all the time that Daniel Jones hasn't supported a top 36 wide receiver in his career. He's still not going to, but. I think Darren Waller's the best pass catcher he's had. He's going to have had in his career by a long shot. As long as he's healthy, of course it makes sense that Daniel Jones is going to be forcing the ball to him. You know what I mean? That's just how it's going to work. Who's your tight end, Zach? Let's hear it. All right. Now, I know you were going back and forth to me a little bit about explaining this guy's target share, but I got an answer to that. Don't worry. I'm talking about George <laughs> Kittle. He's on the 49ers. He is definitely dealing with a lot of competition, but – I'd like to see you for us try to put up the kind of numbers Kittle did last year, competing with Brandon Ayuk, Debo Samuel, and Christian McCaffrey. Like, it's just ridiculous. He's still one of the most talented tight ends in the league. 
He's going to be 30 this year, so I'll give you that. But he's one of the best creators after the catch on an offense that's designed to rely on that a ton. He checks all of the boxes last year on a season-long basis, 75-plus percent route participation at 78%, 24.5% air yard share, third among all tight ends with 50-plus targets, and a 17.8% target share. That was seventh among those tight ends. He's also essentially first in yards after contact per reception with 2.87. He did finish behind Jordan Akins and Foster Morrow, who both barely made the cut by having exactly 50 targets. But um, he was also second in fantasy points per game season long with 13.4. And all of that, despite playing with three different quarterbacks during the season, last season. Now, granted, Lance's time was very minimal. But still, there's quarterback turnover there, and it's not always easy to navigate. He was still the tight end, too. But it's his numbers with the quarterback that he's going to be playing with this year that I really want to focus on. In the six games that Brock Purdy played and started in 2022, between weeks 13 and 18, he was among the league's best in nearly every metric. We're talking 27.9% air yard share. That was fifth. 19.8% target share. That was tied with McCaffrey during that time. 2.09 yards per route run, fourth in the NFL, and 16.3 PPR points per game. The most important statistic right there. That was first among all tight ends. That's a monster tight end one on offense that already figures that already has three other great fantasy weapons. He benefits from playing on a good balanced offense, Kyle Shanahan system. Pretty much anybody works there besides Trey Lance. And before you start with the his stats were inflated by touchdowns argument, let's just take away four of his touchdowns from last season, just for fun. And the yardage equivalent to his average yards per reception between weeks 13 to 18 multiplied by four receptions. So that was 13 yards per reception. Take away, let's see, if, is my math on point here? That's 52 yards, something like that. All, 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 all I can see is like that, that, that gif with like the, with what's his, with, uh, what's his face, just with all like the numbers behind yes. him right now. Like that's, that's right. kind of how I'm looking at it. The right smoke now. coming out of my ears, it's happening. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so you take away those points and he goes from tight end one to the tight end seven. That's 16.3 points per game to 11.4 points per game. But tight end seven, that's his floor with Brock Purdy at quarterback on a good offense. Like I'll take that. He has a safe floor as long as he stays healthy, as long as Brock Purdy's a quarterback. We saw he loved throwing the ball to Kittle. Kittle also had a bunch of end zone targets. In those six games he played, he had five end zone targets that led tight ends. I think he was tied with one or two other guys, but either either way, he was being looked for in the red zone. He's going to be a touchdown machine again. So I'm all in on Kittle. I think his price is very good. If I miss out on the top four guys, who I do think Darren Waller, Steve, is one of those top four guys, if I miss out on all of them, I mean, Kittle, I think, is my next choice. Yeah, I just can't take him because he's going two spots ahead of Darren Waller. That's the only reason I can't take him because right. Waller is my target in every draft. But no, I, I I like everything you said about him. He's It's one of those things, don't you think we re- overreact sometimes to situation? I, I know I've done it a ton of times where it's like, we did it with Tyreek Hill you know, last year where we're like, and Jalen Waddle, where we're like, they're going to be feeding off of each other, like taking away targets from each other, and then they both destroy. So I yeah. do get the argument with, competition because san francisco has about as much as you can get they probably have all around one of the most loaded rosters in the nfl um but it is george kittle he's such an elite talent such an elite talent position that you i can't i i don't know like i said i I, i'm getting waller but i don't think he's a guy i would ever fade just because he's that good right like it's, it's hard to bet against him i mean just look at the numbers like i was convincing myself even more going into this when we were picking our guys it's like I, I didn't want to pick Darren Waller because you were doing him. And then Faraz asked me who I was doing. And I was like, who am I doing? I was like, I've been taking a little, I'm taking pretty much a Kittle in drafts. But like, I wasn't ever finding myself really, you know, like he's my guy. But then you look at these numbers, it's just like, 
it's hard to deny. You know what I mean? Like I, I think that he's one of the last guys coming off the board that could challenge. I mean, I don't want to say he's going to be tight end one, but like you talk about the tight end two spot is essentially the tight end one spot now because Travis Kelsey is the tight <laughs> yeah. end one. But he can go for that tight end two spot if he can keep up, even just like similar production, what we saw from him with Purdy last year. My concern with Kittle is all the other weapons on the offense. And I think mm. he's the one who ended up eating last in this offense. Now, the touchdowns were there, but the t- touchdowns aren't as sticky. And that's that's really my issue there, right? And can he see a regression? I think he can see a, a, a notable t- touchdown regression this year. And, you know, if you look at all the games that Brock Purdy played with all those guys in the field, right? Debo, CMC, um, Brandon Ayuk. The last guy was was George Kittle. He was the only one who didn't get more than a 20% target share in those games. Now we're including playoffs, right? 13% target share for George Kittle in those games where all four of those guys were on the field with Brock Purdy. And that's really, really low, right? 13% is not good. Now, can that change? Can that shift a little bit? Yes, because it's a small sample, right? We, we don't know what that's going to look like. There's been a lot of you know QBs in there, up and down. They have a whole offseason now to, to get things right. So George Kittle is a very good, very talented guy who could potentially get in there. But the fact that they have all these other talented options, like it's just hard for me to buy into Kittle at that price. Like you mentioned, you know, Darren Waller going right there and then some other options later. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of full fade mode on George Kittle personally because of that. You know, the only thing I'll say is I get the, where he's going argument, but I do, you know, I'd much rather take him, let's say than like a Evan Ingram at pick 80. I don't know. It's just, it's Uh, one of those things. I'm fading fading Ingram probably harder than I am Kittle. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what I mean. It's like, (laughs) I, I still think Kittle, if you have him as your tight end, He's going to be fine. It's just that kind of where he's going. I I get what you're saying. It's it's in a tough spot for me to draft him. It is. Um, now, I might as well just go ahead and get into my tight end, my guy. And yeah. this might you might see this coming. It's Pat Firemuth. Pat Firemuth is somebody who, you know, I look for a few things for a tight end breakout. And one of those things is, are you making progress throughout your career? Right? He's going into this third year which is when we tend to look for these breakouts for tight ends. But first year, 60 catches for 497 yards. Second season, 63 catches for 732 yards, right? So nice improvement there. Frymuth, sixth all-time in receptions among tight ends over their first two seasons in the NFL. All-time. Okay, some of the names that are ahead of him, Gronk, George Kittle, Jimmy Graham, Aaron Hernandez. Okay, he was only behind Kittle, Kelsey and Andrews in yards per route run last year among qualifying tight ends. And with the way Kenny Pickett is looking right now, this offense potentially taking a step forward. I think Frymouth can combine his ability, the potential breakout that he was going to have anyway. And now this ascending offense into a potential top five finish this year at the position. And I, I still think there's a good chance that Frymouth continues to lead target share ahead of George Pickens, just like he did pretty clearly last year, unless Pickens is taking this huge monster jump. I, I I don't, I'm not in the same boat as a lot of other people when it comes to George Pickens, but I think Pat Frymuth is the guy to be betting on 
uh, outside of Deontay Johnson uh, on this offense, especially at his price. You know, you were talking for us earlier about sexy picks. I think Fryermuth is not a sexy pick. He's one of those things where you're just like, oh, do I need a tight end? Do I take him? But everything you're saying is 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 right. I mean, the guy had 98 targets last year, you know, and how many tight ends can you say that for? He was fifth in targets, fourth in air yards. You just look at you look at all of the metrics that you want to see. He's got a lot of single digit rankings in all these metrics, you know, so I think he's one of those guys. If you don't get all the the, the tight ends that we've talked about, one of those tight ends, I, I have no problem taking him where he's going. I think he's a, a good value. Uh, where he's I think that the tight ends, like if I'm going through a draft um, and the tight ends that I'm aiming for, like I'll grab Kelsey. If not, I'll grab Mark Andrews. If not, I'll grab um, Darren Waller. And if not, I'll grab Pat Frymuth. That's kind of okay. how I've been doing it. And then if not Pat Frymuth, I'll probably take in a shot on these rookie tight ends. You know, I'll take a shot on Chigo Conquo, right? Like those are the guys that I'm taking shots on. And if yeah. I don't grab Pat Frymuth, most likely – I'm grabbing two tight ends to close yeah, out my yeah. draft, you know, overall, just because you kind of want to hedge a little bit because those other guys after Frymouth, I kind of feel like it's a crapshoot. Can yeah. I get, can we do just a quick name game for some other tight ends that are going yeah, similar? So we, I, I already know the answer. I think Evan Ingram, you'd rather have Frymouth. Um, what about Njoku? Njoku's your next one, right? Yeah. Njoku. <laughs> I, mean, I, I yeah. was going to ask it's a, it's, a, it's a good question. Um, I do lean Frymouth. I do have okay. him ahead of him. I, I think Elijah Moore is going to be very, very involved in the Browns offense. And, and I do think that it's really him and Amari Cooper leading that team. And then I think do, I do think Njoku is going to be ahead of uh, Diamond Peoples-Jones in terms of target share. And he's yeah. been having a good camp, too. And he has extreme ability. But he's been in the league for a little bit now, right? And he hasn't broken out. He hasn't broken out to that level that we thought he could so yep. what is his ceiling does he have more in him right i think that's the question but we see these tight ends breaking out a lot later a lot of the times right so it, it, it is possible but i do lean fry with over Najoku. i think i have them i just posted my tight end rankings as we were talking today no, um, i think they were back i have Najoku. i actually have Najoku ranked beneath evan ingram um okay and uh, i might have to, i might have to double check that but pat fry yep. at eight Ingram at nine and David and Joker at ten. That's how, that's kind of nice. how I have it at this point. I like it. And I by like the it. way, guys, if you're looking for my rankings, patreon.com slash upperhand fantasy. Okay, that's where all the rankings are, positional, flex, all that. If you haven't drafted yet, I have a ton of resources to help you, including round by round targets. So you can go check that out. Patreon.com slash upperhand fantasy. You have a lot more stuff, access to me, my phone number. You can text me, ask me a fantasy question. Okay. So, so go check it out. Appreciate you guys. Anyway, Steve. Thank you for joining the Upper Hand Fantasy yeah. Podcast. Thank, no, you. thank you. We we really really appreciate it, man. Like we, I wish we worked more closely together. I know. Like in like do, do more stuff, but we know we're just so busy. We're both running our own ships here. Um, yeah. Is that how? No, uh, driving our own ships. Uh, uh, our own ships? Uh, what are we steering? Steering. You know, if ships? you if you know anything about me, Faraz, I am not the one to ask what the the phrase is. We have a running joke on my podcast that I screw up phrases all the time. I'm always it's like screwed up one earlier today. I forgot what it was, but oh, but I, 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 I decided I, I've not said to, things you know. like the bare nuts uh, information, you know, and they're like, "What does that mean?" And I was like, "You know, like the bare nuts, like uh, nuts and bolts." I so don't yeah. ask me. I'm, I'm terrible. Oh, hilarious! I love it. I love it. All right, well, um, Steve, you know, we really appreciate you, man. Um, yeah. Again, guys, 
please, please check out Steve's content. It, it's really, really good. Fantasy, Fantasy Guides on Instagram. Um, you're on Twitter as well, right? Fantasy Guides? Is that at yep. Fantasy Guides as well? Yeah, okay. and I'm trying to get trying to do more or x whatever it is i'm trying to do more yep. tweeting trying to be more active on threads as well um and i just want to say to everybody Froz, everything you said about me i would reciprocate uh as well Froz, actually i texted him yesterday um because <laughs> i have a draft that i was supposed to my own league draft that they've been trying to nail down a date and then i realized it's on my anniversary and so i <laughs> i text everybody go oh is this a bad time to bring up that I just realized the draft's <laughs> on my anniversary. And I actually texted Frost. I was like, any chance you want to do my draft? And he's like, I'm down. Just let me know who you want to. Fortunately for us, I, I think we switched it. So I, I don't need you to do that. But that's. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. I think we switched it. Frost was then, looking forward to it. I was. <laughs> no, I was like, you know, he, I, I, you were like, who are your guys? I was like, dude, you just do what you want. Just draft my team for me. I'll, I'll trust <laughs> whoever you draft. And I do. I trust everything Frost says. And a lot of times I check and see what you guys are saying. You and Zach. Uh, in your analysis to like see am i in line with this because i do trust you guys's information so much so thank you for having me it's been a blast of course, and, uh, man. i love it and, and, and you know it's really worth you know checking out you know different opinions especially what you know on a lot of stuff right because there's a lot of stuff yeah. like you know we change our opinions all the time as you guys know if you if you've been listening to the podcast since january of this year we've changed our taste on a lot of stuff okay and a lot of that has to do with guys like steve who bring things up that you just haven't considered okay so it's important to take in multiple perspectives okay so go check out steve we'll be hopefully working more together uh, in the future and uh yeah i think we're going to close it out here guys appreciate it appreciate everybody uh we'll have more podcasts out episodes out this week we got to a little bit of a slow start this week but uh we'll, we'll, we'll get there all right guys take it easy see ya bye bye peace